Welcome to Inside Scoop with Sean Emery. Every week we are examining something new, bringing you closer to companies, sectors, and themes. This recording should not be construed as a substitute for personalized individual advice from Avery and Company or any guests on the show. This is for educational purposes only and not intended to make an offer or solicitation for any companies or securities mentioned. With that, let's get on with the episode. All right, Vinny Gill, welcome to Inside Scoop. Thanks, Sean. Nice to be here. Yeah, so so before I, you know, truly pass it to you uh, for your introduction, you know, I wanted to highlight uh, what we'll be covering today. You know, generative AI um, is all the rage. Open AI, you know, was founded in 2015, and really only until you know the last several months or quarters, you know, we've seen kind of that breakthrough moment for AI. You know, today what we want to cover, uh, you know, where we are today, you know, how you, your team are building and creating value within this space and, you know, how you're doing it, you know, but I also think this is a good reminder that, you know, while the, the breakthrough moments, you know, they come pretty fast, the progression towards these moments is, you know, a really long time. Mm. Um, you know, if you go back to, you know, 1958, where, you know, Herbert Simon, the founder of Carnegie Mellon, um, school of kind of computer science, he's quoted as saying something like, you know, within 10 years, a digital computer will be the world's chess champion. And that was in like 1958. And then you have, um, Marvin Minsky from MIT AI Laboratory, you know, he's quoted in like the 70s saying, you know, in three to eight years, um, we'll have a machine with, you know, general intelligence of and the average human being. So, you know, we're, we're at this moment where we're seeing consumer facing products where, you know, you and I and, you know, you're building products for that, that type of person where they can use it themselves. Yeah. Um, but this is something, you know, going decades uh, and there's a great deal of hype today. So, you know, a lot of value having you on here. So today we have Ben Gill. He was the, you know, CTO at Nutanix. Uh, he's the founder of Cognitos, you know, which is creating value um, from the outside looking in. But, you know, welcome, Vinny. Uh, let's uh, kind of get your background if you can and just tell us a little bit more of Cognitos. Cool. Thanks for having me. And thanks for everybody viewing this podcast. You know, everybody's busy and there's a lot of things to catch up on a daily basis. Um, I started uh, Cognitos uh, two years ago. Um, our mission is to bring the power of controlling computers to everybody, democratize that through natural language. Everybody knows English. Everybody knows a natural language. Only 25 million people in the world know a computer language. Um, and then that art has been uh, something that, because only a few people can do it, it's creating an innovation bottleneck in our society. And as you can see, software developers are in a lot of demand. But at the same time, people who um, have the ideas, they depend on software developers. Last 70 years, what we have been seeing is we are training humans to be more um, educated in how to talk to a machine. Computer science schools and you know all that curriculum, teaching kids in school early. Now we are seeing the change with generative AI is that machines are now learning what the human means, right? So we will get into an era where humans don't have to learn the language of the machine. The machine has learned the language of the humans. And now suddenly innovation is in the hands of everybody, not just a few who know how to talk to a machine. So happy to be here and part of making making that happen for the world in a safe way. Uh, there's a lot of talk about AI, is it safe or not? So we are bringing the capability of generative AI in a safe way to everybody around the world. Um, my background prior to this, as you mentioned, I was at uh, Nutanix working on many different things in the computer science stack, you know, storage, networking, uh, applications, cloud, and so on. Before that, IBM Research, working on caching algorithms and uh, distributed storage systems. My um, education um, master's was in uh, security for distributed systems like IoT and stuff. So I'm a technologist. I love to learn new tech. And um, AI is my new interest and hobby. Cool. Pretty good hobby. Um, you know, generative AI, 
just talk about like some of the value that you're creating there. Um, you know, I went through the site and, you know, went through the product a little bit and, you know, it's a, it's pretty interesting. Again, we're, we're consumerizing a lot of the technology that's out there. And again, I think like what you said is, is, you know, instead of us learning the language, it's, it's kind of the systems learning, you know, the language we're trying that we communicate with and essentially, you know, the output being somewhere close to, you know, what we're looking for. Just talk about Cognitos. Um, it it sounds like an interesting, you know, solution product and, and a real use case around, you know, using natural language, like how we communicate. Right. Um, and putting that in into you know embedding that in technology and having the output being what we want. Um, so again, just talk about Cognitos and you know what you guys are doing there. Yeah, we're, we're bringing the power of uh, automation to the billion business users out there. Today, what happens is a business user says, "Oh, I want to automate this thing in my business." They need to talk to a consultant or a developer who understands how to use a, a tool or program the computer to automate whatever process they have in mind. Now that computers are able to learn and understand what a human means in English. We are bringing that capability to everybody. Uh, we are focused on business processes uh, in enterprises um, of all sizes, uh, but mainly large enterprises. They have a lot of processes, document-heavy processes, and you know, business logic where something comes over, over an email. I have to process that email, uh, extract data from it, run some rules, and then update a database in the back end. There are tons of people doing things manually today and stuff that people don't want to do. And that is what we are automating. The business user can explain in English, talk to concierge, which is our product. And concierge will say, okay, you want to do that? Here is my suggested plan. And the plan would be in English, not in Python, and not in any fancy language, simple English. Business user can see and then negotiate. And so now, actually, I meant this, or oh, I actually use SAP. I don't use this other tool. And the automation plan is being written for you. So you don't need a developer. The good thing is, for the first time, now the human and machine is on the same page. Whatever the business user reads, and understands the machine can also read and understand and run it. So the English as code. So we've been through a journey where the industry has said, oh, Python is very complicated. Let me make it low code and no code and hide it behind menus. That sort of limited the power as well. What we are saying is instead of hiding the code with no code, make it English, natural code. And English is code, no need to hide it because the English will have the nuances that the business cares about and everybody needs to understand that. So up-level computers, to understand a natural language and also the nuances. The biggest innovation that we have done is exception handling and ambiguity resolution. Normally, uh, even in the 60s and the 70s, people were saying, what's the best language for computers? It has to be English, but it was hard because it's ambiguous and you don't know, you know, it could mean so many different things, but that's the power of English. Because it doesn't force you to learn all the nuances of the language, the system is smart enough to ask you a question and say, hey, what did you mean? There are two different things that I could do in response to what you said, tell me which one and learn what you really meant. So now the computer is coming back to you instead of saying syntax error or you know it's the developer's fault, it comes back to you, clarifies, and then knows exactly what to do and do it. And that's what we're unlocking for all the businesses. Got it. And, and to simplify a little bit of the use case for everyone that is, you know, obviously you can go to the website um, and, and see what they're doing. But more, more importantly, I think it's just, you know, articulate some of the, the process. So, you know, historically there's robotic process automation, right? Which is just processing some sort of, you know, task. Um, now what it sounds like, you know, what you're, you're doing here is it's overlaying that with, you know, general English language, um, to then facilitate that task. So, you know, I think on, you know, your YouTube channel or anything like that, you had one simple task of, you know, trying to get a check, taking the, the, the information from the check and, you know, storing that information into, you know, a database of sorts, whether it's Excel or, you know, something more sophisticated, um, out there. Now, on top of that, or before that happens, is it as simple as, you know, again, that's the innovation here essentially is, is that English language 
prior to that where you're saying, not please, but essentially, can you remove all the invoice numbers from all these checks yeah. um, and store that in my Excel file? Um, and then it'll handle it for you as opposed to, you know, I think if you have like UiPath or Automation Anywhere or any of these other, you know, companies that exist um, within workflows, you know, you're building those workflows um, in some sort of map, mapping system. Um, yeah. And then it's happening, you know, little robots in the background um, that are auto- that are doing it, you know, but it's much more, you know, um, I'd say linear in the way it's, it's doing it as opposed to this is, you know, much more adaptive. Is that is that like a, a decent way to think about, you know, what you're building here? Yeah, you did capture it. I'll point out a couple of things. One, you can say please. You don't have to avoid it. <laughs> so you can say please. You can say thank you. And that's fine. That's the power of generative AI in the front. So you're Does it act differently? Does it act differently if you say please? No. Is it a little bit nicer to you? No. So that's... I'll talk about that aspect as well. Why not getting emotions into the automation is really important. Um, but answering your question, first you're talking about what do you want to do at a high level with, with concierge? And concierge looks at what you want to do and has a you know a, a database of different automations and best practices that other, other customers have done and all that. It'll propose an automation for you. Hey, I think whatever you wanted can be broken down into these steps. And these are in English. And by the way, this is also a program that can run. And then you can say, oh, I don't want this. I don't want this. So you're negotiating there. And after that, you can say, okay, run it for me. Okay. So that's the first aspect where it's different from the traditional and legacy RPA vendors. And because the business user is in control for the first time. Today, what happens is business user goes and talks to um, an architect or a consultant and they know how to run the tool. Business user doesn't know how to run the tool and all the different libraries that they have to interact with to get the thing done. So that's one thing. But the bigger thing is when an automation is running, normally, Things can fail because there is a surprise. You know, the document that came in was missing something or it's a new kind of vendor that you're processing and, and so on, right? Um, the automation space, there was a big hype in RPA. Uh, you might be, you might have been covering it some time ago. And then there was a lot of hope and then despair. And the despair was we were not able to automate 90% of the things that we wished were automated. And those 90% were not automated because they have some corner cases that keep coming in. And whenever you have a traditional automation that hits a corner case, it will crash and burn and blame the developer. And now you have to figure out what went wrong. And you know, there's a bot that's running, bot is unhealthy, somebody has to go fix it. It's, it becomes like a debugging problem. It's a very complex problem. Business user cannot do it. And it becomes very expensive. So what has happened is people have selected the processes that don't have too many exceptions, you know, very straightforward. And that's what has been automated using RPA tools. Now, the new era of using the power of generative AI to handle even the edge cases, the, the processes that had a lot of exception, um, different kind of scenarios. What we do is we have built an interpreter for the English language that has the ability of learning as it goes. So while it's executing your process, if there's something of surprise, just like a human, humans strive to succeed rather than you know crash and burn. So just like a human, it'll reach, it, reach out to a business user and say, oh, this is the English program that I was running and I'm on step number four. This is something unusual. What do I do? Business user can say, oh, forget about this. You know, uh, I'll take care of it because this is extremely rare. Or the business user can say, oh, in this case, I forgot to mention you should uh, use this business rule or do that. So you're teaching a program while it is running. And now the, it's become better. It's almost like an intern first day, intern doesn't know much. And with every interaction with the manager, intern is getting better. And the language of education and teaching is English. So that's the biggest difference that we are bringing to the industry is 
exception handling on the job. What that does is it un unlocks the remaining 90% of automation that should have been done, could have been done, but nobody did because it was too expensive. Now it's not expensive because all the corner cases, you don't have to think up front. The, one of the biggest um, reasons why software development is such a, um, a quiet taste and art is because you are looking for humans who can think upfront everything that can fail. A good software developer is somebody says, I know all the 50 ways in which this can go wrong and I'll write logic to handle all those 50. Most humans don't want to think that way. And we are very good at addressing things as they happen. There's no system out there other than Cognitors that can bring that kind of behavior to the business user. That's the fundamental distinction. Yeah, no, that's um, that's pretty interesting. So, so it sounds like almost like, you know, the trade-off here is sometimes, or it sounds like, and you can correct me, obviously, is you're shifting kind of that. So you have a use case or, you know, tasks that happen that have a bunch of edge cases and they can consistently go left and right um, in terms of what happens. Now, these RPA tools historically are building, you know, straight lines down, you know, a, a task, a task that is simple with very little, you know, deviation from, you know, what it does. Um, and, you know, a lot of those other tasks, the 90% you're talking about, they have small deviations along the way. They can constantly change and kind of generative AI or the concept around it um, is what can, you know, widen the road and, and allow you to, you know, take advantage of all or, or accomplish all these tasks um, using, you know, traditional RPA methods along with, you know, uh, some of the stuff you're building. Now, I guess the question for me is, is to, to accomplish that 90%, the extra 90%, historically it's around, you'd bring in consultants and they would consistently try to, you know, mine for tasks that could be achieved. But in this case, you know, you're taking consultants and moving it into, you know, um, computing power, I guess, right? Computing exactly. resources. Right. Now, it, it leads to the question around a couple different things is, you know, how expensive does this stuff become if you're constantly, you know, uh, making, pay, repaving the road um, to, you know, accomplish, you know, all of these tasks, you know, especially in an environment like this, so everyone's trying to automate as much things. Mm -hmm. um, now the question is, is, you know, does that, does that, uh, you know, AWS budget start to elevate pretty significantly? Um, anything you have around that, it's really around, you know, ROI on this versus, you know, traditional means. And then the opposite of that, or, or like the third, you know, variable here is, is, you know, you have consultants doing the work, then you have computing resources doing the work or the employee doing the work. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's that, that, that three pronged circle that um, I think everyone's trying to figure out still. Um, but anything you can share around like, you know, the compute intensity uh, that's required for this stuff. Um, yep. And is it worth it? Uh, I'm assuming it is. Obviously, you know, uh, you have a whole company around this. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, Moore's law makes uh, machines and compute cheaper every year and um, humans inf inflation makes humans more expensive every year. Right. So, so we are in the business of offloading humans from the manual work. So every year it becomes even more sense to offload what a human is doing. Humans will always become more expensive. Um, now, in terms of compute, it's a no-brainer. I mean, if a machine is doing what a human is doing, it's a far cheaper. You know, we're talking about cents compared to dollars, um, right? I mean, so there's there's no comparison there. And compute costs are going down. Even um, GPT costs are going down. They, they were slashed twice in the last few months. Um, what's really important, uh, Sean, is the latency that's also shrinking. If you have multiple humans in the loop of improving automation, humans are what slow things down. So the business user has an idea, hey, March 31st is done now, next April 1st, I need to change my business process in my how I quote new, new sales. Now, I have to talk to a consultant who did the automation, the consultant understands this, and talks to a developer who will actually implement it, and then the developer has to show it back to the business user, is this what you meant? That cycle takes many weeks today. But if you reduce 
the human players, there's no developer, there's no consultant. The business user is talking to Cognitor's platform. The cycle is very fast. So you can test it out, your new automation in five minutes and see whether it does it or not. That's number one. Number two is the um, whether it's a black box or it's whether it's a white box. So for a business user, all automation is black box today because, oh, it happens in some tool, which is very complicated. And that's why I have to hire a consultant, right? Um, the business user cannot look at Python, cannot you look at what, say, somebody has implemented in an RPA tool. In our product, the business user can look at the actual code because it's in English. They are the person who actually approved that code. So we are basically left shifting this entire process of automation and removing all the barriers. Business user is in full control. And now, because of that, they are looking at automating even stuff they earlier thought they should not. Because what the thumb rule was, the best practice in the automation industry was, if you have a process you think you're going to change it over the next year, don't automate. Because it's a waste of effort. But that's not how you know the future is going to be. We are going towards an era where people will, do, will be doing ad hoc automation. You're writing apps on the fly. And that's what's happening. If you look at what's happening with ChatGPT and all the plugins and all that, it's apps on the fly. Except you need they, them to run in a structured fashion where there is audit and logging of everything that's happened. You can go back in time and figure out what happened, why did this enter in my database. That's all we do. We bring the safety around leveraging AI for, for enterprises. Got it. Um, you know, ChatGPT, OpenAI, I would love your perspective on, you know, you know, everyone's leveraging them. Um, you know, how differentiated can, you know, companies be or where, where, where does it, you know, how do these companies, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if, if one company is using ChatGPT and another, you know, just talk about uh, the internal workings from somebody that, you know, historically or is, you know, a CTO slash founder here. Um, how do you think about, you know, using a model that essentially everyone else is using um, specifically today? And, you know, that's today, but also, you know, think five, 10 years from now, how do, you, how do you think that, that shapes out in terms of, you know, what models companies are using? Is this going to be like, you know, an operating system that everyone's leveraging or is this going to be, um, you know, a centralized place or is this going to be something more, you know, diverse, I guess, or spread out across, you know, multiple and multiple vendors where everyone's, you know, creating their, their own models um, that are more native to them? Because again, the, the second part of that is really around, you know, competitive edge from like a business perspective and like who does actually have a competitive edge here? Um, you know, obviously their scale and, and things like that and network effects that could be at play. Um, and or switching costs for something like, you know, all your business processes running through, you know, uh, Cognitos, um, that's a pretty good uh, defensibility. But um, if you could just talk about that, the centralized model today, where it's going to be, and then also, you know, how companies can, you know, build a competitive edge uh, using similar models to others. Right. So the analogy that I will give you is electricity. So all of this, you know, large language models is like electricity being invented. And now there'll be that electricity will be applied everywhere. Whatever used to do, be done manually, now it will be electrified and you know more efficient and so on and so forth. So the fact that you are using electricity is not your differentiation, right? I mean, everybody will be using electricity. It's like, what do you do with that electricity? That's interesting. You know, are you building a television, a microwave, a refrigerator? What are you doing? And there, there'll be businesses built around that. In the end, you have to build value for your customer. So we are building value for the enterprise. Um, in terms of using electricity, there is. We need to understand that electricity is dangerous. You can cause your building to go on fire. And there will be some incidents of that that will happen. What you need to be there for a good electrician, you need to be a good electrician who understands, oh, this is the, you know, this is how I put insulator. Here is my fuse box. Create a safe system for businesses to use this new chat GPT kind of electricity to run their business. And I that is the main thing that we are providing. So we are not, it's just a one piece of the puzzle. The real value is automation 
where the business user is in full control. They need to have the steering wheel of this new era of mechanization and automation, right? There are multiple ways and in, in direction where people are going. I just signed the open letter uh, for pausing big AI yesterday. Um, that is one approach where you say, we'll give API access to these GPT-5, right? I mean, there are some people who are happy to do that. Why? Because it's, it's going to automate everything. But where is my control? So I don't know what will be in my control. There is no fuse box. It can just go out of whack, right? So that is one kind of thing. And I think that's a very dangerous direction for society to go in. You, we have now invented an engine that is creative, GPT, call it GPT. You have to use creativity at the right spots. Just like you know, in, while running a regular business, we have brainstorming meetings, which is about creativity. After you've decided, you just go and execute. You don't need to be creative after we've decided as a team. Same thing, we got to bring that creativity as one piece of the puzzle. There is creative AI, which, which in our system is concierge. It will come up with, hey, this is what's happened. This is the exception. I suggest this, this, this. And the other one is the diligent AI, which we call the cognitive brain, which is an engine that can run English as code. It is diligent. It will go through your English and, and, and run it in an auditable fashion. So later on, you can go and check what happened. And if anything is wrong, you can instruct it like an intern. Hey, next time do that. And it will diligently follow it. You have to bring both creativity and diligence to enterprises for it to be useful for enterprises. And that is our differentiation, that we have the only platform that has both the creative and the diligent in one, and we're using it at the right spot. Where is the line between intuition and logic, right? Or creativity and guesswork and hallucination versus diligent, auditable stuff. There is a line, and that's what we are helping define. Got it. Makes sense. And the, you know, talk about, obviously, you've probably seen a lot here in this space. You know, what are some of the cool stuff that you've seen, you know, where, you know, some of these big models um, are creating real value outside of, you know, what you're doing? Maybe you're using something internally that essentially, you know, is unlocking, you know, different use cases for yourself. Um, yeah. You know, there's, there's comments around, you know, just simply code in terms of, you know, building, you know, apps and, and, and other scripts um, that are out there just in general, you know, serving the landscape, you know, with a, with a blank canvas. What's, what are some exciting stuff that uh, you've seen around generative AI and, you know, things around, you know, open, what open AI is building? Yeah, what I tell everybody in my company is that you got to be using GPT-4. Otherwise, you're running and other people are on a horse, right? And, and it's not going to work out. Um, my expectation is everybody is using this technology to accelerate what they're doing. And yeah, you get on the horse, you'll fall down once in a while. You're learning to be a good jockey, but be a good GPT-4 jockey, right? Everybody needs to be that, right? right. And the team that has the best jockeys will run the fastest and they'll win. So it's sort of applying, we're applying it everywhere, right? We have a technical question, ask GPT-4. I mean, and understand this is still a wild horse. It may not do the right thing for you, but that's what you need to learn. You need to understand how this horse thinks so you can act, you know, use it to your own advantage. I also tell my kids, go learn it. I mean, even though their school says, no, it's banned and all of that, I think this is the next, this is the future. Everybody needs to be a good horse rider. And my hope and prayer is that our society keeps it at the horse level and doesn't allow it to become superhuman right. because then it will be riding on us. But as long as it's a good horse, we all should be leveraging it. I'm seeing it being leverageable almost everywhere. Everything that we do, um, we're leveraging it. Got it. How, how do you recommend, uh, you know, the average person that, uh, you know, isn't necessarily following this as closely, um, you know, just begin to toy with it. Um, how would you, uh, you know, any use cases that you think are you know, reasonable? Um, yeah, that are yeah like, you, you want to have a vacation someplace, ask GPT-4. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. Give your constraints and see what comes up. Uh, it works out decently well. We have our team meeting. We're going out to Japan. We asked for some suggestions. Did a pretty good job there. So just uh, try to save time. I mean, yeah, 
don't use it if you are a doctor and you are going to treat a patient but for stuff stuff like you know entertainment fun or you know just a curious question always check on the site go to google make sure things are correct if you really going to act on it but it's a quick way of getting to some good insights um with a grain of salt just do it sure do you, do you think uh google you know has to conform to this method of of search um well then i look for some place else where i can get more you know the the diligent ai thing like a place where i know there is no guesswork i still need that right so google still has a place even though maybe they should have two ways you know two kinds of answers like sure one is this gpt kind of answer barred answer which could be somewhat creative and guessing its way through but then i also want the proof like this is a website here is here was the data and let me confirm that i want i call it the steering wheel i want the steering wheel in this new era of automation or new era of uh, ai don't take away my steering wheel um, humans don't like that humans don't like not to be in control i mean we want to be in control for sure yeah and you know last area here i think was is important is um what a lot of people continue to you know harp on and we've seen this you know decade after decade where you know something new comes in and and the question is around jobs um mm-hmm. and you know will this replace you know like for your personal opinion you know do you think um um is this a replacement of, of jobs or is this just a simply you know a readjustment of work um i would say it depends where we stop the development of ai if it gets into the superhuman era then i don't think humans have an answer uh, there like you know what was going to happen but if we keep to like okay we're creating ai that maybe roughly similar to what a human does um i think it's an up leveling of our game um everybody will act like a manager um students in schools will act like the teacher um when we interview people we will not interview for answers we'll interview for the right questions so that's the trend like you're hiring managers all the time and the managers are driving chat gpt or whatever to get the job done right so it's an up leveling of um, what we the roles are going to be more of a review rather than do the work yourself i feel it's going to be more taxing mentally for us because you know a lot of the times thinking is when we like feel stressed and when you're doing it then you're sort of relaxed like you when you're making a you know a table with you know wood and you know with tools when you're doing it you're relaxing you're listening to music you're not thinking much but if all the mundane stuff is done by the machine all you have to do is review the work and, and think about the new thing to do i think it's going to get more taxing for us therefore there will be some push towards creating a superhuman uh, thing that will do also do the thinking for us at which point all bets are off but until then until then i think we're going to get busier sure interesting yeah and no, i heard that uh, from someone else as well which is uh, a pretty fascinating concept i'll i'll end with this which is and i, I think i said that twice already but uh 10 years from now i know that's you know a long time google you know chat gpt you know i guess that would be barred but google in general you know who wins the you know market share right i think today it's 99 to you know 1 um you know does, do you think this goes down or you know again this is a very you know generic question but um you know from your perspective of someone that's seen you know technology evolve and you know things come and go and and also in comments you know adapt and evolve and and hold their you know their turf i feel uh, it'll be different um it wouldn't matter which of these guys win it's like electricity grid it's like okay you know in in the pacific coast we have pgne yeah but nobody talks about them they're they're the electricity provider everybody you know i don't care where it comes from um the real the winners would be of a different kind those with the winners would be the people who are using this electricity not generating the electricity mm-hmm. so all the language models today the be- the best ones are with some few players in the market i feel that it will democratize to a point where everybody has a good enough you know sure somebody will have great 
but you know in our society we may not need that great thing right i mean so you know even cars this honda toyota all of those things right i mean yeah there there are race cars but who few people need it right so these big labs will have the race cars but everything else is you know, commoditized and the winners would be of a different kind um, sure. they'll be solving real problems using this tech um it wouldn't matter it'll actually commoditize quickly we already seeing that the cost of uh, chat gpt went down this last year 10x and they're they're in a race uh, it should become free i think at some point sure cool well benigo we'll end there you know founder of cognitos uh, last thing is for you to just share you know where people can learn more about yourself cognitos what you're building you know how you're building it uh, and then what in there sure um we have a bunch of uh, thoughts on our website uh, cognitos.com cognitos with a k um please feel free to go there um our main mission is to bring safe ai for humanity um we are seeing a big uh, fork in the road right now where people can go down the road where you give ai access to apis directly uh, because there's no other better way of getting to efficiency we are providing a better way where the human is in the middle human can see in english what's going to happen before it's uh, given out to a machine to execute let's be on this journey i want um all the well wishes of everybody and make sure that we have a safer future for our children powerful stuff benny gill appreciate it thanks for coming on inside scoop thank you sean